You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Ian, look at this. What, it's a police box. What on earth is he doing here? I mean, these things are usually on the street. I feel it. I feel it, you feel it? It's a faint vibration. It's alive. Earth Station Who, a fun mashup celebrating nearly 50 years of Doctor Who universe. Hold tight, you never know where the TARDIS is going next. Who are you? <laughs> I'm glad you asked that again. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Now please. Get off this planet while you still have a choice. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Earth Station Who podcast. That's right, folks. We are already on the eighth episode of Series 11 of Doctor Who. Man, this time has been flying by. And we've got a great episode to talk about tonight. We have the Witchfinders. And it's going to be interesting. The Doctor and her friends, her companions, her compadres, Team TARDIS, whatever you want to call them are going back to the 17th century and there be witches around. So it's an interesting story to talk about. We got a great crew to talk about. Of course, let me welcome our regular Mary Ogle is here. Hi, everybody. It's great to be here. Finally. Can you believe eight episodes down? I cannot believe it's been eight episodes. Oh, man. Now I'm really feeling the shorter season. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Usually we have, ah, that's no big deal. We've got five more episodes left. Nope. Not this time. Nope, nope. Thanks, Chris, for shortening the Curse season. Curse you, Chibnall. <laughs> We've said that many times over the last few weeks, a couple times. <laughs> well, it's great to be here and have you here with us. And we do not have Howdy Mike this week, so we got two wonderful people to fill in for him. And first, of course, the lovely Nicole Maza is with us. Hello, everybody. Or should I say, howdy. You know, so yeah, that's what you got to go do. It's like it's missing or something. But Exactly. Yeah, Straw hat all the way. <laughs> exactly. So it's great to be back. Thanks for having me. No problem. How are things over on the Terminus podcast? Pretty good. I'm uh, getting past some... Uh, uh, technical and medical stuff, but I'm getting back into the groove and hoping to get my newest reviews out like very, very, very soon. So I was working on that this weekend. So fantastic. I love how your show's been growing. Oh, thank you. And you've been doing a fantastic job at it. Thank you so much. And of course we figured since Mike Gordon isn't here, we said, let's bring in a scientist. And who else would we bring other than Dr. Scott Vigay himself? Hello, everyone. Dr. Geek, how are you, my friend? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me tonight. No problem. How have the first eight episodes been for you so far? Oh, a lot of fun. You know, it's been a bit of a wild ride, but I really do enjoy this new era, and uh, I'm I'm really uh, looking forward to seeing what the New Year special is going to be. Yep. We got news this week, actually, that, you know, we're definitely getting the New Year's special like we talked about last week on the show. And we got a first picture of Jody with a scarf. Oh, Ooh. my God. And it's already out of stock. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a cute rainbow scarf. I think a lot of people want it. Yep. I think for many reasons they want that. Yeah. So, which oh, yeah. is pretty darn awesome. So I think, you know, definitely looking forward to it. There's not really... You know, all it says is something, you know, that all three companions will still be with the doctor and that they'll be doing some traveling for the new year. So should be very interesting to see. Remember, folks, we are going to be talking all about the Witchfinders tonight. So if you haven't seen it, we are going to be spoiling it. How exciting. <laughs> Spoilers. Okay, you've been warned. We do want to hear from you guys. Please write us at eswpodcast at gmail.com. Please, we'd love to hear what your thoughts on were this episode. All right, let's get started and, you know, let's jump in with both feet. It's a doctor going back to 17th century England and right in the heart of the witch finding era and, you know, people bur- being burnt at the stake and just 
horrible time to be around. So it was the era of King James. So it was, you know, it was not a very pleasant time in English history. And, you know, this is when, you know, they were working, you know, you have the King James Bible and this all came out of this era, you know, with what happens partly in the story and some very interesting things. And I'm going to go out and say it right here. This is the first time I've been seeing what Mike Gordon had been talking about, how he said, you know, the doctor should be the smartest person in the room. And she wasn't. Like once again in this one, this is the first time I really noticed it. I, I love it. I like the storyline. I liked, you know, the overall feel of the story. I captured a really good mood, uh, and, you know, feel of the era. But I just was like, wow. Don't get me wrong. Jody was fantastic as always. What about you guys? I agree. Uh, I think that, uh, this has been a really interesting regeneration because they've been trying to uh, find a way to, to make her doctor different, but at the same time, completely recognizable. Uh, and, you know, it's still that, that common sense that no matter what happens, it's still the same person. And for me, I think what is interesting is I don't know if it's just because of the way they're approaching the stories, but they're trying to be a little bit more realistic or what. I'm not quite sure what it is. But the doctor seems to be less effective in the speechifying. You know, usually um, the doctor can make some speech that can really turn people around. And there's been a couple times this season where they'll, well, she'll try, and it just falls on deaf ears, um, especially in this one. And uh, we can go on a little bit more in detail about it. But I, I get that feeling. You know, it's like, uh, I, I guess for, for me, it starts with uh, the doctor telling everyone, now, don't interfere, no matter how difficult it possibly is or how bad it is. And then you see her literally squirming to interfere. I mean, within seconds of warning everybody else not to, she can't help herself but to interfere. Um, so I thought that that was kind of weird. It wasn't exactly treating her doctor with the same reverence you would with other regenerations or with that same sense of control, unless that's the uh, hallmark of this new doctor. I don't know. See, I was, I was glad that she interfered because I think one of the problems with some of the other episodes is that she, she was too much of an observer, yeah. and a participant. And so I was glad that she kind of literally jumped in. Yeah, well, but I mean, there's a difference between being an, uh, an observer where she really should have taken charge in like in several different episodes. But in this one, it's like you just told everybody, don't interfere you don't know what you're doing with interfering with history. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And then a half beat and she's jumping into the lake. So it, it makes you go like, well, why is she telling people not to interfere? The the companions had more restraint than she did. But uh, she, the doctor's done that tons of times. I mean, even in the new series, you have, what is that? The um, beast below where the doctor says, you know, don't interfere and don't do anything. And then, Amy sees him on the screen and he's already, you know, trying to help kids. Yeah. And I guess for me, that's, uh, I wouldn't, I would say that's a low point for Matt's doctor too. I mean, I, I guess I'm being consistent there, but I mean, but I get your point though. I, it, it just seems like it seems like they could have had any of the other companions give in to the uncomfortableness of the situation uh, because it, it makes sense for a regular human to go, Oh, well, screw this. And, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to save that person's life. Even if the, you know, the doctor who is supposed to have this sense of, of time and, and maintaining the timeline. Uh, it, it, and also it would be different if the doctor hadn't just uh, admonished everybody. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I mean, it was and, – and, and it goes to how things go at the end of the, of the episode, too. I think that how this episode was written, they wanted her to be on that dunking stool. No matter how hard they were going to try, they were going to make sure that that happened at that point. No, I agree completely with that. And it's very interesting, too, because there there were a lot of scenes in this. And don't take this wrong, folks, but if the doctor was male, she would have gotten out of it a lot easier and pushed through. This showed, you know, because she was a female, that she was not being listened to, especially because of the era that they were in. Yeah. 
directly lampshaded in the text. I mean, she even makes statements like, if I were a bloke, I, you know, nobody would be questioning me and I could, you know, get it done. Oops, sorry. Right. I mean, that was one of the points of the episode. <laughs> yeah, it was. And I think that it was good that they pointed that out. I mean, had they done this in episode two, right after the regeneration, you're like, oh, come on. All right. Check that box. Let's get over with. But the fact that they waited till episode eight, and because it's a historic time period, I thought that, okay, if we're going to do it, then this is a good time to do it. And I liked how the doctor handled it. Um, but, you know, it, the doctor was um, trying to tell them, oh, this isn't witches. They aren't from, you know, they aren't from hell. It isn't the devil. But when she tried to explain it, she explained it in ways that would just retranslate back to the the paradigm of the devil. You know, they didn't fall from, uh, they, they're not the devil, but they fell from heaven. Well, the devil falls from heaven. Uh, oh, it's not demons trying to, in, in, you know, possess your body, but they're going to, you know, uh, pour into you and take over your body. Well, you know, so she wasn't being very effective in trying to get her point across. Uh, and I don't know, how was, how... But the thing is, how would you explain that to somebody of that time period? Well, you would say uh, <laughs> that they're aliens, for one. You would, and they would, they may not know what that is. No, right? could she even try I, I don't explaining. agree that they, no. yeah, they, they would not. Well, actually, she did say they were aliens at one point. But well, I you, you guys remember that she, that concept. Yeah, you have to remember, guys. Though she did try explaining that she they weren't coming from below. Right, they came from the from the sky. Right. And, and they, uh, they and just they, didn't they get flipped it. it back. Yeah, they flipped it back onto their own paradigm. I, but I think, you know, like I said, I think it's not the Doctor being uh, ineffective necessarily as a character trait of the Doctor. I think it was the, the writing of this episode that they wanted it to be that difficult for her to solve just so that they could eventually have her be on the dunking, uh, you know, on, on the dunking tree. Um, just so that you could have that moment where you're like, oh, are they going to try to kill the Doctor or how is this going to happen, you know? But I think that actually makes sense that they would think that, yeah. I mean, it made more sense for, for them to think she was a quote unquote witch. Yeah. 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 Than it did for their own neighbors. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with the magic wand of the, of the uh, sonic screwdriver, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, put that away. Stop showing that to people. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's like her magic wand is doing all these weird things. It's just like, uh well, and, and I don't mean to, to come across like I hated the episode. I actually quite enjoyed it. Uh, I, I think for me, the, the thing this production team has done really well is uh, is location filming. You know, they, it doesn't feel like everything's in a gravel pit. And uh, I think that, that when they've done the the uh, period pieces, that it comes across and it has a really good, strong sense of the period. Uh, so I've really been enjoying that. And... Uh, much more than the futuristic episodes. Oh yeah, so, there's there's yeah. only so much parts of Cardiff that could look like different parts of the world, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think the I agree. The historical ones have been more effective. This yeah, season. totally. Exactly, and it was it was a lot of fun to see. You know, got more of the you know sonic paper. You know, the psychic paper is awesome. <laughs> yeah, and you know, you also have you know. I Graham is still to to this day he is my favorite of the three. Oh, totally, absolutely. And I I want to like the other two. I really want to, but I they're just not giving it to me. Well, I feel yeah. like the 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 stories are also sort of privileging Graham. Yeah, I feel like he gets more focus than the other two characters. To be fair to them. Um, which I think is kind of annoying because I want to know more about the other two characters as well. I agree with that. And, you know, but even when they've given like, you know, when they've given Yaz something to do and it's just like, you know, why, you know, when they do that, they basically, you know, they still whitewash it, you know, with her. And yeah, I'm not sure they have really given yes something to do. Right. You know, they totally, try they try the to same way that they give Graham. No, yeah. they have they have not, even with the Indian episode though, where she met her grandmother. Yeah. It still was Graham. So I I, I I totally agree with everybody. I mean, when it comes to Graham, 
do you feel like it's Doctor Who doing what they did before, where they they said, okay, well, you know, we have the Doctor, but we still need our our man of action. Uh, so we'll have we'll create this companion that will play that part until they realize that the Doctor was the the, the person of action. Uh, and then when they uh, regenerated into Jody, do you think that they went, well, we still need like the the wise old man that's going to impart uh, advice? I mean, I I don't know if it was intentional, but every time they do something with Graham, he comes across as able to basically take everything in stride. You know what I mean? And he's and he's mm-hmm. kind of like the, the 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 dad to every character they run into, uh, being able to be personable and provide that kind of insight. And uh, even in, like you guys said, even in the uh, the the India episode, uh, and where it should have been really a super showcase. Yes, and it was to a degree. I mean, it was dealing with her family. You can't get more personal than that. But still, he steals the show. No, I agree with that. And it's just interesting because there's been two episodes which should have been completely Yaz-centric. The Spider episode and the India episode, or Pakistan. And, you know, those stories should have been all about Yaz and rounded out her character. You met her family. You learned about her family's history. And I still feel like she's a big question mark. I have to say, actually, for me, I have been really enjoying Yaz. And I think one thing that I think some people might be struggling with is she doesn't really have a clear arc. You know, she knows who she is. She is kind of set in her way like, not in a mean way, but I feel like she's, like, quietly competent, like a Nyssa character. Yeah, uh, totally. A lot of people don't like either. And and so I think because she doesn't have this very obvious challenge to her character, that she needs to grow or whatever, that she sort of doesn't stand out. But I actually like that she makes a lot of intelligent choices. And, I mean, she does good work as a companion, and she kind of holds up bits of the story and so for me, I don't think a character necessarily has to be front and center to be a well-rounded good character. I mean, she's giving us little character beats each episode. Even in this one, she told the story about when she was bullied as a child. And so we're getting little things about her, probably more so than some of the classic series companions. And I mean, I've been perfectly happy with her character. I feel like they're kind of forgetting about Ryan a little more than Yaz in some cases, but... I don't well, know. It's it, kind of open to interpretation. It's the crowded TARDIS team syndrome, right? Because you have you have a new doctor that you want to spend time nurturing, but you also have these new companions, and you need to be able to spread the love to all of them. And sometimes it's easier to do that than others. Uh, I also like Yaz. I think that uh, you know, in the Rosa episode, I thought she had you know did really really well uh, and stuff like that. For you know, for me, Ryan. He's a one note, and it's really, I, I don't know what they have planned for him, but uh, I don't think it's the actor. I, I think it's the, the storyline just doesn't really make much sense. Uh, I mean, okay, let's put it this way. Uh, I actually have a disability that I deal with every day, and I wish it was as conveniently uh, ignorable as, as his disability is on the show. I mean, it's, it's, they bring it up, but then he goes and does something fantastically with his coordination anyway. Uh, you know what I mean? It's kind of like it's, it's mm-hmm. there to not be there. It's kind of like the Jordy LaForge. He's blind, but he has bionic eyes, so he sees better than everybody kind of a thing. So it's like, eh, okay, fine. You know, all right. But it, it's not a – it's a character trait, but it's not uh, anything to do with how they're using him in the stories or anything for him to do. And if I have and if I have one more story where he's lamenting the fact that he lost a parent, I'm like, okay, I know it's tragic. But you've got to be more than that. And, exactly. after eight, and after eight episodes of traveling the universe, you've got to be more um, uh, affected by your travel with the Doctor, I would think. Uh, and he's still kind of comatose. I, I don't know. Well, he's, just, he's not developing. Yeah. He's, he's still at the same stage he was at from the beginning. And so now it's getting annoying because it's just the same behavior over and over again. We need to see some growth of character. I will totally scream, though, if in the final episode of the season, he learns how to ride a bike. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that would be terrible. 
Yeah, and, and, really and, and why doesn't the doctor have some little thing for him to have, like a, a nutrient-injected jelly baby or something that will, <laughs> you know, fix his problem for him? I mean, it, it just seems like a... Well, uh, wait for it, right? I mean, I can understand why they don't want to do that, because that just... yeah, It's, a, it's a magic wand. Face, yeah, and a kind of a slap in the face to have you know, a character with any sort of disability that is just cured immediately. Well, it's better than that. It's better for me. I would say it's better to do that than to, to have it be only when necessary. So like only when he needs to climb a, a ladder, but not when he needs to run and keep up with everybody or, uh, you know, go from, from uh, uh, object to object, being able to jump or, or, you know, I mean, it's like, okay, so coordination, but in what way? And, you know, I also needed difficulty riding a bicycle. I figured out how to do it. I got training wheels. I got a, a, a tricycle rather than a bicycle. If you really want to ride, you know, if you really needed to, to you know, bike uh, across town, there's ways to, to work around your problem. And it just seems like it, when they introduce the character and you have him on a rocky mountain over a cliff, yes, that's exactly where you want him to learn how to ride a bike. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, yeah, oh, come I thought on. about that too. That made no sense. Um, yeah, I think, oh, go on, Mary. See, well, they're not... What what I, th- I think what bothers me about Ryan is is they're not showing him dealing with his disability or overcoming his disability or just learning to cope with his disability. He yeah. Ch- he complains about it and then he magically does the thing. Yeah. He couldn't do. Yeah, I think the thing with him is that his I guess his story arc seems to be so tied into Graham's that Graham's is overshadowing his. So it's like, unless like Graham dies and they get one final fist bump, you know, we don't really have any sort of momentum for Ryan's character. It's just like Graham's taking all of his momentum. It's, it's yeah. really bizarre. Yeah. I mean, even, even in this episode, if you go back on the actual episode, uh, uh, of, of the week. Oh yeah. We're doing an episode review. That's What? You have you have Graham being you know the imposter of the uh, the Grand Witchfinder because of the psychic paper and and I like how he quickly deflects going oh we, we're actually a a, a rather shallow uh, organizational chart you know and yeah like, flat team structure I think flat team right. structure and and, uh, and everything and then you know Ryan has this connection to King James but it's uh, you know it's kind of, I don't know it's like his either buddy pal or whatever I mean it's it. He at least he tried to participate in the story, but there really wasn't much. I mean, you know, King James uh, was a, a a interesting take, and I have to say, it, when I heard that it was going to be witches, I'm like, oh, please do not go to Salem, and you know, because that's been done a thousand and one times. So mm-hmm. for them to actually make it British and deal with King James, I thought that was you know good on them. That's fantastic. Uh, I don't know about the the portrayal of the of the. Uh, uh, of the king himself, but necessarily, but I thought that it was uh, a likable and rememberable character, and that's uh, and you know, so I enjoyed it for what it was. Well, that's just Alan Cumming in general, you know. Well, yeah. yeah, but also there there has been some speculation that the king might have at least been bisexual because he had sure. these real favorites, is what they were oh, called. Yeah, right, and he called one of them his wife. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah. So, and I liked how they handled it. That was. Yeah. I think it was because there is historic evidence. I thought it was perfectly acceptable to add that to the story. And Um, I liked how Ryan handled it. I mean, he was kind of like, oh, okay. But he wasn't like, oh, gross. You know, he was, he he was a little bit flirty, but not like leading him on. And and I appreciated that. Yeah. And I liked how he handled it at the end where he gave him back the, uh, the The little eye brooch. Yeah. 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 I, I thought, I thought that that was a really great way to handle it. It was a good moment for Ryan but that moment's gone because, you know, now that's, there's nothing more for that to continue unless there was further communication with King James. You know what I mean? Well, exactly. Do you, do you feel like Graham's becoming the central character? I fear, I think that he could be the doctor if he wanted to be. I mean, if, if Graham got separated from Team Tardis, I think he could uh, hitchhike his way around the universe without a problem at this point. Uh, the way they presented the character. Um, yeah. Totally, right? Yeah, I mean, I was even um, just redoing my notes for the first episode the other day, and 
I was just remembering like how ineffectual he was in the very first episode and how he was like, what are they doing running toward danger and what do I do? And he didn't want to do anything. But now he's like, he's like the one guy that's doing everything and getting all the attention. And I feel like he's being pushed in the front more than anyone else. Well, Um, and a lot of it though, he is the older gentleman. He's taking the role that the doctor usually gets of authority because people look to the more mature, more calm male as the role of authority. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 but that's a problem, right? Well, right. I was but, that, but that's society, problem. and that's just that's yeah. Just but see, general. but we don't have to parrot what what society is promoting. Well, now that we have a now that we have a female doctor, I think there's a real danger of making Graham the central character. Well, and and it, and it becomes more highlighted in the historical one where everybody is going to you know what you're talking about about bad society. Well, that society, especially for that time period, right? I think that in the modern episodes or in the future episodes, it's been less. But when the the people, like for example, the in the in the episode with the hospital ship, um, and that was the the conundrum. Everybody, so yeah, yeah the, the doctor rep, uh, acknowledges her identity, and they go, "Oh, I've heard of you," and they don't question the gender change or anything like that. But she's still not exactly taking charge or or all those other things that she could have when society itself isn't putting those restrictions on her. So I, I don't know if that's uh, the writing team having a problem. I don't know if it's, uh, I, you know, I don't know where it's coming from, but like, uh, you know, like Mike said, I think that Graham is kind of getting the default doctory moments that should really be going to Jody. And it, I think she's totally capable of doing it. Uh, I, I, you know, just give her the chance, but that's not how it's being written. Exactly. And that's just poor writing. It's more apparent, actually, when she's in the future and she has control because all sexes are represented there. But it's mostly when she's going into the past from the Rosa Parks story, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. But I mean, I think she can still be a strong character working from the background. Right. They, They deliberately placed her into a, a spot where she's working backstage this time, which is, yeah. that's very, that's a very interesting story point actually to be working from a different position than you might normally. However, it felt a little, I think it felt more off just because she hasn't stepped into the leadership role in a lot of the other episodes either. No, and, and it's, 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 it's the team TARDIS thing, really. I, I you know, it, it, there's a difference between, the TARDIS crew and team TARDIS and we're all the same and, and all that sort of stuff. I mean, the doctor is the doctor and she should be allowed to be the hero uh, of the, of the story. And I, I, but you you never ran into that when you had Adric, you never had him in charge, right? You never had Harry Sullivan in charge. (laughs) No. Thank thank God. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you never had Jamie in charge. You never had captain Jack in charge, you know, So it was just, it's just, I think it's just poor writing on the part of these writers right now with Jody. Yeah, I, I read a piece that was actually talking a lot about this where they were saying how, you know, on the surface, Chibnall's era looks really like it's, you know, really modern and, and challenging that has a, a, you know, female doctor and two companions of color. But it's not because they're still putting the white man up in the front. and giving him most of the, you know, power of the story. And I'm not saying that's inherently bad, but it doesn't feel like it's challenging as much as it's trying to say it's challenging. And that's just kind of been a bit of a letdown for me this season. No, I agree completely with that. And that's actually a great way to put it. But, you know, I don't want to take away from Jodi, though, on the show, because she has been awesome. Oh yeah, and and I believe I, she's totally believable as the doctor. I, I just give her the opportunity. I think, and, and you know, it's so crazy is every time there's a little tiny reference to uh, the show's past, like with the Fez and the like. Every you know, you can you know, and and I it, just the way she smiles reminds me of David Tennant 
there is there is something about the way that the actor is going about her job that totally totally works. Mm-hmm. It, but I need her to to do more doctory things, you know. Yeah, I feel like she's being constrained. Yep. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I do think she was a lot more proactive in this story, which really made me happy. Like Mary was saying, she's just been so passive this season, and it was good to see her kind of taking a little bit of charge, maybe not as much charge as I'd like. But, yeah, she's definitely been taking a back seat a lot. Mm-hmm. Exactly. What did you guys think of the aliens in this one, the mud aliens? Oh, uh, they were completely unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I actually, I, I like, I mean, as much as we're ripping it apart, I like this episode up up till the end. Same. Where, yeah, where they just sort of come out of nowhere. It's like, it's like they thought, oh, it's Doctor Who. We have to tack on this alien thing. And so they did, but it didn't really make sense. And it, it wasn't even necessary. I think it actually would have been a more interesting story if the protagonist had just been evil, you know? Yeah, exactly. Not a nice person. Well, and, and, or, or if you wanted it to be uh, something that was, you know, possibly not something that the, that even the doctor could understand, you know, we had the Satan pit and the impossible planet, right? Right. So there are times where the doctor runs into something that uh, even she goes, wait a second, I can't translate that. that. That's not possible. Uh, you know, you you shouldn't exist. You know, so if, if it would have been great if there was that moment, because uh, it's all about you know the story is a little bit about you know whose interpretation of the world is accurate, right? King James mm-hmm. or the doctors, and the the two of them kind of go back and forth a little bit, and I like that our interplay between the two of them. I thought that that worked out pretty well, uh, but you know, and so, but you're right. They go, they're like, oh no, no, we can't do that. It has to be science. It has to be uh, a creature. So we'll, you know, we did the waters of Mars. Well, this is mud, the mud of Mars, you know, and it's basically the same thing. And, oh, and everybody remembers the stones of blood. So we'll just kind of mix the two together. And there you go. Uh, I don't know. I I thought that that the the wrap up got a little uh, narrative heavy because they had the info dump to try to explain what was going on and all that stuff. But if you take all that aside, I did like the fact that they made mud something to fear. You know, I think that's something that Doctor Who does really, really well. Take an average, ordinary, basic object, a shadow, a statue, and make it something that you're going to fear. I, you know, I thought that that was, so that was cool. It was something else to, to emulate, to, to, see, to see people cosplay or something like that. So, beyond, so as a creature, I thought that was good, but it wasn't necessary for the story. And maybe, yeah. you know, and if it had, if it had been done in a less heavy-handed way, it might have worked. I mean, we didn't need the whole Morax backstory. <laughs> been like some sort of sentient mud. It could have been microbes in the mud. It could have been, you know, all sorts of different things. Yeah. But, but it just became, you know, alien prison, which is a real cliche anyway. That yeah. was there for billions of years, but the doctor had no idea about it or something. Yeah. I mean, come on. So, I mean, what, why, why would that kind of a tree even exist, you know, for that long? But whatever, whatever. And what happens well, to it in the future, I mean, I, or yeah, present I day? Mean, yeah, I could hand wave some stuff, but it just was so heavy-handed, the way it was handled, that it just took you out of the rest of the story. Now, do you think that some of these stories... A little less effective. Do you guys think that some of the story pro- uh, problems have been because of the American Writer's Room attempt at doing Doctor Who? I don't know. I've been wondering if there has been a writer's room or something because I don't know. It's been kind of, I feel like a lot of the stories have been very first draft. Like I've been really kind of mad about a lot of the series. It's okay. Like I watch it and I'm like, eh, that was something. Like I don't hate it, but I always feel, especially the ending, it just feels like it just drops off or just ends really awkwardly and well like 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 the spider episode my gosh it just stops (laughs) it stops and the the bad guy you know trump guy or whatever he just walks away nothing Mm -hmm. really happens you know that's what we had mentioned we had mentioned that in an earlier episode yeah there was a lot of loose ends in this this season they don't they don't close it up what happened to the spider in yaz's parents 
neighbor's apartment. Right. Or what the other ones that have escaped, those are out there. Are they just going to grow big and die because they can't breathe or and kill a bunch of people in the meantime? All right. You know, I'd almost rather they not close it up than that they just pack something on or, you know, try to wrap it up so, so quickly that it doesn't make any sense with the rest of the story. This is a problem that that has occurred in a lot of Chris Chibnall stories. Oh yes, definitely. That, that he has a lot of problems with, with endings and with pacing. And I, I'm wondering if it's even when he's not writing the episode, if that's having an influence on the episodes, I don't know how involved he is in script editing or, or things like that, but. Well, but there I, is, there is some of the know, same problems. Well, there is a, you know, there is a writer's room this year. And so they have, you know, that's how, the, you know, they can do story arcs and, you know, make the characters a little more consistent throughout the season. But a lot of times, as in like, you know, you still got to have good characters to do that and, you know, good plots and story arcs for these people. And, you know, this story was, it was a fun story. You know, I loved you know, seeing Alan coming. He was awesome. Yes. Yeah, he and made it for me. I thought he was a little, you know, understated compared to some of the other characters <laughs> he's done in the past. <laughs> you know, but I still think even understated Alan Cumming is amazing. And so, you know, and his King James was perfect. You know, from the very first scene where you see him in that mask, that's like, oh, it's Alan Cumming, you know. It's pretty yeah, obvious. Incognito, which was hilarious because he like totally stands out. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's like, I'm in disguise. It's like, uh-huh. Yeah. Like Clark Kent and Superman, you can't tell the difference. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. And my favorite line of his is, what? She confessed. Yeah. <laughs> at the end. At the end where he burns the... Uh, the, 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 uh, the queen of the Morax. Yes, yeah. exactly. And And the doctor's like, Ah, and like what? She confessed she's a witch, you know. And and you know, you know, and it really, honestly, he wasn't wrong to do it, you know. I mean, that's the thing. Um, I, so I, I liked the interplay between his King James and everybody else. Mm-hmm. No, his King James was very personable, very likable, very psychotic, but it was just it was pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, I like that that conversation where he, he explains his past and he realizes that everybody who's ever been important to him has been killed or died mysteriously, and that it's kind of a miracle that he's still alive. And, and they and they the way they tell it is they don't make him sound like a complete idiot when he does it. There's a, that moment where they actually kind of treat him with uh, with a bit of reality and a bit of respect uh, with it, and and you know, and Ryan's like, oh wow, you know, so okay, now I understand why you don't trust anybody. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, so that was a good moment. Yeah, because, I mean, his mother, uh, Mary Queen of Scots, was not treated well. Like, at no. all. No. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. was there any other high points in this episode that you guys liked? I did like how they referenced the training from Harry Houdini. How oh, the yes. doctor got yes, out of the yes, training. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like a, was it the secondary bypass system or whatever he has? Oh, to be able to breathe, right? Yeah. Yeah, That's what I thought it was going to be, but, but that was good too. I like the Houdini reference. Yeah, but you're right. That would have been a great callback, but yeah, no, uh, I liked that. Uh, And and I liked the, like you say, I I really liked the production values of what they've been able to do on location. I really, with, with the money they've got, I think that that's been pretty good. Oh, the location shooting has been amazing this season. Yeah. Everything looks great. The costume yeah. is great. The, I mean, I, the, whether I agreed with how they did the Morax or not, Morax or not, they looked good. Yeah, they did look good. Mm-hmm. I was wondering, like, why the doctor wanted to go to Elizabeth the first coronation, which was what they were trying to get to, because you know, obviously, the tenth doctor has a complicated relationship with her later on but yeah i thought that was very interesting yeah i don't know i i was wondering it depending on when they showed up with the uh who would the other doctor be there or you know and right. or, you know and, and and even though we probably wouldn't see it you know we just say oh yeah uh, don't get too close to him over there you know that's me right you, you know or something mm-hmm. like that 
Which actually mm-hmm. James did make a, a sort of reference related to Elizabeth I because that was his predecessor. He said uh, when they were like, oh, the doctor calls herself the doctor. And he says, oh, Dr. D is like the necromancer who um, that was John D who was the uh, she was the advisor. He was the advisor to Elizabeth I and he was like an occult cultist and stuff. So I was like, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. I like that reference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Good point. If that was pretty awesome that they referred to that one. Were there any other like characters? Like, what did you guys think of? Uh, you know, you know, Savage, or what did you guys think of? You know, what was her name? Willa. Tilly? Yeah, Willa. Willa. Yeah. And yeah, Willa, I think Willa, Willa was, was okay. A, yeah, she. I think she was supposed to be a stronger character, but she didn't really. I don't, I'm not sure if it was the actress or what it was, but she didn't really come across as strong as she probably could have i just laughed like at the end when she said i'm the only one who knows the the way up to the tree and it was like you mean that tree that we've seen up on the hill really easily (laughs) yeah that every single person knows (laughs) like it was blocking the view of becca savage that tree you know how how to get up there it's like okay good but actually Mm -hmm. i love uh siobhan finneran who played um becca savage she was o'brien and downton abbey who was like really bitter and mean all the time oh she was good at playing bad characters and i thought Mm -hmm. in this particular episode she was really good yeah i agree totally i mean they tried to make her sympathetic uh in the sense that you know she didn't understand what was happening to her and in her worldview you know she was literally fighting uh, a losing battle and you know you wouldn't have picked the solution that she picks but that's the point right but i mean it, at least they they try to show why it happened the way it happened and i thought that it, that was spending some time uh with the villain that actually uh was worthwhile mm-hmm. yeah, definitely yeah, but she wasn't you know she wasn't a sympathetic character you didn't you know, like she was just like they're all witches. They're witches. They're evil. She didn't want well, to hear anything else. But that was the product of the environment at the time. Well, she was a selfish character. I mean, yes. oh yeah, I have to cut cut the tree just to, <laughs> because because of you. <laughs> so what I meant by what I meant by trying to make her sympathetic was that you could see where she obviously knew she was ill, but couldn't find a cure, and then that created panic. And so, you know, at least that's something that people could maybe relate to a little bit, uh, you know, or something along those lines. So you could see how something as, as, as uh, I guess, mundane as getting gravely ill could make you do terrible things or something like that. Right. I mean, well, you know, and she has yeah. no frame of reference at all. I right. Mean, right. She, she doesn't know what it means. You know, for, right. She doesn't even know what real illness means. And so... Yeah. Her, she just it's it's caused by the devil. Yeah. Yeah, but I thought that you know the actress did a great job, and and at least her time on screen was was definitely memorable. I also like the so. uh, the two quotes that we got. The one, the Ezekiel quote that he's like Tarantino, you know, from <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh God, I love yes. that. Yeah, and then the Arthur C. Clarke quote, the one about technology and magic. I like that one, too. Yep. Mm -hmm. No, I loved how he read it, and it was like, and James read, oh, wait a minute. Ezekiel. Ezekiel. (laughs) No, Tarantino. I was like, (laughs) yes! (laughs) That was just, it was just awesome. There were some very shining points in this episode for me, and I was... I was hoping for more, though. That's the thing. I really was. And, you know, I think, you know, there was a lot of pluses in it, but I'm I'm worried about the final two episodes. I really am. Where this is going to go. Are they going to try tying stuff up? Are they going to bring back Tim Shaw? Are they, you know, we have two weeks to find out what's going to happen. You know, so let's... Let's see what happens. Any final thoughts before we go ahead and rate this, guys? Wow. Not everyone's speaking <laughs> up at the same time. Tumbleweeds. Okay. So let's go ahead and rate this one out of five TARDISes. One being the worst, five being the best. Nicole, you get to go first. 
Okay. Um, well, okay. I, I had a feeling I was going to kind of like it because I love the movie Witchfinder General with Vincent Price. So I was like, I'm kind of into this subject anyway. And with the exception of the ending where I think it fell down, I actually loved, well, liked a lot, most of it. And Alan Cumming in anything is amazing. So I'm going to give it a 4.5. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Mary. I'm going to give it a 3.5. I mean, to me, it was another kind of, it was a middle of the road episode, though it, it was elevated a bit by the story and, until the end, which just totally fell apart. But it's, uh, it, it still feels to me, and maybe this is just first season, you know, with a new Doctor Syndrome, but it just, these episodes just kind of feel like they're stumbling around in the dark. <laughs> like they don't really know, um, how, how to present Jody's doctor, even though whenever Jody is given something to do, she does it amazingly well. So it, it is not at all Jody Whitaker. But I, I think writers just, they're not quite, they don't quite know where they're going. And part of that comes, I think, from Chris Chibnall's leadership or lack thereof. You know, it, they don't feel coherent to me. Yeah. And I hope I hope that changes. I really do because I think they've got a good thing going here and it could be pretty amazing if the writers just step it up. So, but this one, 3.5. Okay. Scotty. Uh, can I just say ditto what Mary said? <laughs> okay. okay. Mike rating then. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And for the same reasons, I think that Jody is a, uh, is a good doctor. And I think that uh, given the right material, she could, uh, she could be great. And, and, you know, it's, I, I think for me, uh, I, I'm comparing her doctor to like Samantha Carter from Stargate. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that character also had some rocky beginnings in season one, but as things went on, became a really strong, fantastic character. So I, I'm kind of hoping that that happens for her, um, but it's not there yet. Okay. That's totally fair. Hey, this is going to be tough for me. I'm going to give this one a three and a quarter. It doesn't quite deserve a three and a half. For me, this story, there it was started off very strong. I liked a lot of it. And the characterizations, I loved seeing, you know, I loved seeing 17th century England, I loved, you know, the whole Puritan thing. I thought it was really very well done with, you know, seeing the characters. And then Alan Cumming was just amazing. But the rest of the story, when they started with the tentacle coming out of the mud, it was just like, really? Really? You had to go there. You had to go there with aliens. And it was another open-ended story because what they've refixed the prison, but you know, that area probably gets developed over the next how many hundreds of years, thousands of years. What happens to that tree? Is there a Royal, you know, proclamation that no one shall touch that tree or something like that. You know, it's just aching to happen all over again. And then to have the giant space appendage come out of the tree at the end you know, with the mouth on it, it's just like, oh, God, no. And that's what brought it down for me. And I was just like, nah, three and a quarter, you know, Jody still is awesome, as I said a couple times. And it had Alan Cumming in Doctor Who. This is what we've been waiting. Hell, I wanted Alan Cumming to be the Doctor at certain points. Yeah, me too. Oh, totally. Yep. And I think... it's 10 years too late, but I could have definitely seen him being like a tenant type doctor. Oh, totally. Well, you know, it still could happen. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly. You never know. If it's, you know? If, if it's not him, it might be the guy from uh, fantastic beasts. He took, looks way too much like Matt Smith. He dresses <laughs> too much like Matt Smith. <laughs> you know? So yeah, I, it could be Alan coming in the future. I would be fine with that. You know, I would not say no to it. I think they could do a lot worse. And, you know, we definitely want to hear from you guys at home. Please write us at eswpodcast at gmail.com. All right. That wraps up this episode. Let's thank everyone for being here this week. Mary, we made it through another one, my dear. 
We did, and without our howdy guy. I know. It's just not as bright without a howdy here, you know? <laughs> Nicole, you did a great job, but, you know, it's, you know. Yeah, I tried to say howdy, but it's just not the same. I know, I know. Yeah, but you guys can do the you guys did You guys did a great job. <laughs> so let's um, thank everybody. Mary, anything you want to promote real quick? If uh, anyone's interested in my artwork, please visit me at mariogle.com or on Etsy at eVision Arts. And Nicole, you want to promote your podcast? Sure. Um, if you're interested in listening to another Doctor Who podcast that's on the ESO network, it is at terminus.lipson.com. That'll probably get you there the easiest. And uh, yeah, just another voice talking about Doctor Who. Exactly. And it's a great show, folks. Definitely listen to it. Thanks. And Dr. Scott, you're on a Doctor Who podcast now also. Yes. Uh, Transmissions from Gallifrey uh, with the people from the Transmissions from Atlantis uh, podcast. So we're doing that on the ESO network. And I'd like to promote uh, my upcoming appearance on the ESO uh, mothership. Uh, to be talking about science coming up. That's right. Next week, yes. we're going to be talking all about science. Now with the new Mars lander, it's even more important. I know, right? Could not come at a better time. Exactly. Awesome, man. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We will be back again next week, and we are going to be looking at the episode, It Takes You Away. Episode 9 already, folks. Oh, my God. I know. Uh, I can't believe it. Too but soon. Too soon. Way too soon. So we will see you guys next week. Talk to you later. Peace. And we are done. Boom. So Yay. next episode, Yay. we're going to find out that it's an ancient Time Lord secret. It's Calgon crystals. That are- <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Calgon, take me away. Exactly. Uh, boom. We're done. <laughs> You have been listening to Earth Station Who, a bi-weekly pop culture podcast dedicated to all things Doctor Who, featuring talents from across the universe. All topics on the show are the sole opinions of the individual and are used for entertainment value alone. You subscribe to our podcast up on iTunes, Stitcher, or follow our blog at www.esopodcast.com. You can also follow us up on Facebook, Twitter, or Google+. If you enjoyed the show, please leave feedback up on iTunes. Hey, this is Mike. A few months back, I was given the assignment of creating a new promo for the Earth Station One podcast. I figured I had a ton of time, but I kind of got distracted. Go figure. And we realized we had somehow missed our deadline. So here I am late at night trying to figure out something creative to get you to listen to our show. I guess I could just use my announcer voice. Listen to the Earth Station One podcast. For almost nine years, we've been bringing your inner geek out to play. We're a founding member of the ESO Network, and you can find us up on most media players like iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or wherever fine podcasts are found. I think that might work. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Public store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network. Your station for all things geek.